0: bye <laughs> to What's Beyond. Yes, yet another paranormal supernatural podcast. I'm Bill Hauser, and I'm here with my lovely, intelligent wife, Tabitha. Hi. I think at this point, if you're going to do another paranormal podcast, you have to at least attempt to explain what makes your show different from all the others that are out there.
1: So, Bill, what makes our show different?
0: Oh, I thought you were doing that part. Oh, no. What makes... What's beyond different is that we are going to actually talk to regional ghost hunters, not the famous people, the real people that are out doing the work, about some of their cases, not just in general terms, but specific, detailed notes about the cases that they've worked on. And to kick things off, uh, we're going home. As paranormal investigators ourselves for several years, we figured we'd start off on this Halloween night with some stories from our hometown of Hannibal, Missouri, That's right. On at Hannibal, Mark Twain's hometown.
1: So Hannibal, Missouri is currently celebrating its bicentennial year. This year has been quite the year for Hannibal. They have finally found Samuel Clemens' signature in the Mark Twain cave. Um, Lots of speculation around it from some people, but... Ultimately, they said that the scholars have verified that it is his actual signature. Hannibal also sits on the Mississippi River and has some really wicked cool cemeteries um, on Highway 79. There are a couple that are really, really just kind of spooky, actually. Mark Twain wrote his uh, very famous books about uh, Tom Sawyer and Huckman and all based out of Hannibal, Missouri. Um, but Hannibal does have somewhat of a dark side. There's been, you know, brothels down on the River Town when it first came about.
0: Yeah, in fact, uh, Mark Twain famously said about Hannibal, don't change until I get back. And of course, he never returned after that. And for a good long while, there was very little change in Hannibal. Hannibal was, you know, in a position that it could have been as big as St. Louis, but. Uh, Hannibal has a history for making other choices, and uh, they ended up becoming a very small town that was that is, has always been fighting to survive. Uh, another very interesting geographic feature around Hannibal is that uh, all of the, the bluffs surrounding the river are limestone, and as many of you probably know, limestone has been one of the things that's been typically uh, indicated or talked about as part of the stone tape theory or the ability to hold in... Uh, electromagnetic energy and possibly record uh, events that occurred in the past for playback. I don't know if that played into a lot of the stuff that's happened around Hannibal, but Hannibal certainly has no shortage of ghost stories and unusual occurrences in its history. So
1: so let me stop you there. So what you're saying, just to clarify, is that limestone is like in itself a EVP, so to speak, but more of the physical realm of an EVP, as in it's holding the memories of the past and can conduct that energy in a paranormal way?
0: Well, yeah, the, uh, the stone tape theory uh, basically holds that uh, basically any materials would, uh, but particularly certain types of stone, especially stones that have a high crystal level in them, uh, can capture energy. Like limestone. Uh, like limestone. And basically all of the surrounding area of Hannibal is limestone. It sets on a array of, of limestone caves, um, of course, made famous by Mark Twain and, and Tom Sawyer. Uh, but the uh, th- that sets up a situation where there are several underground streams, also something that's very well known for generating electromagnetic energy that some people feel that spirits thrive on. And then basically having a built-in recorder to capture... You know those traumatic events, those those, uh, those displays of energy with the, the the limestone and quartz that are so heavy in the area. So, if you were looking for a area that could be ripe for paranormal activity, certainly Hannibal has uh, some geographic features that would make that a good you know good spot for the things to happen.
1: And going back to the the caves in Hannibal, you yourself as a teenager was um in the caves quite a bit because you actually was a tour guide at the Mark Twain Cave and Cameron Cave. So, um, you've told me stories and I know you have friends that are aware of some of the stuff that you guys did as teenagers in the in the caves, um, after hours. But um do you think that there is any Proof to the caves themselves being haunted and goes with some of the stories that have been around Hannibal that Mark Twain Cave is actually haunted that there is a ghost inside the cave.
0: Well, just asking that question would immediately uh, set any former tour guide, as myself, off on a uh, a tangent about Doctor McDowell, who kept the remains of his deceased daughter uh, in a metal drum inside the cave, actually pickled. Uh, and that is a true story. Um, as far as that leading to any hauntings in the cave. Hard to say. If anything, it, if if Mark Twain Cave and there's actually a couple other show caves in the area, but if Mark Twain Cave, the most famous of those caves, is haunted as some people believe, it's more likely that the haunting would be related to some of the other traffic that may have come through the cave. Um, for instance, Jesse James uh, signatures in the cave, as long as his brother's signature, and with those type of individuals in the cave, it's likely that there were violent acts that could have been committed in the cave. So. I would say if there's any hauntings that's related to other events that may have occurred in the cave and then no one ever found out about.
1: Now, didn't you tell me one time about the cave that where they said that he kept his daughter and where it's at on the tour isn't the actual spot? Or is that the actual spot that on when you take the tour, that that's where the daughter was actually kept?
0: Well, keep in mind, you're asking me to recall memories from way, way long ago. Uh, but from what I remember, where they show that they kept where he kept his daughter it is actually in the vicinity of where it was actually kept. But the actual area is further down the same passage off of the, the commonly used tour route. Um, but it's not, uh, it, it's not in the wrong place. I'll put it that way. Uh, generally speaking, most of the, the good tour guides will kind of point the direction of where the, the actual, uh, cylinder was kept, but it's not actually, it's not actually part of the, uh, the tour that you walk on but we could go on and on about uh, tourist stuff in Hannibal because it is a tourist town. That's the, that's the yeah, uh, that's, bread that's, and butter of the yep. town right now. Yep. But I will segue from the cave into one other tourist thing that uh, is kind of important for what we're talking about tonight. Uh, and that is there is a haunted Hannibal tour uh, from what I understand it's a very good tour. Uh, and it's very interesting. And, and, you know, people I know from town that have gone it have really liked it. So even the locals enjoy it, but certainly as tourists, if you're in Hannibal check that out. Um, I mentioned that because I am confident that uh, for the most part, nothing that we're going to talk about tonight is on that tour uh, as investigators uh, in and around the handle area. We did not investigate, uh, you know, any of the uh, tourist locations, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, not really even so much the historic buildings in a few cases, but not so much. Uh, we were uh, very much at that time, a strictly facts back-based team And we investigated private homes that we were invited to to investigate because of what the people were experiencing in the homes.
1: In all of our investigations, no matter what kind of personal impressions we received or thought we had felt or this or that, the only things that were really ever put into the reports for evidence would be fact-based things that we had proof of. So... If I felt like, oh, my hair got tugged, but there was no EVP, there was no change in the electromagnetic fields, there was no change in temperature, there was no photo evidence of anything around me at the time, then we're not even going to put that into the report, correct?
0: Actually, that material generally did go into our reports, but it went into our reports more as collateral information. In other words, the report would state that a certain investigator had gotten an impression or had felt that they had been touched or whatever the case may be so we we documented it but it didn't raise to the same level of evidence as uh, say a evp uh, electric voice phenomenon which we will be sharing several of those with you uh tonight that we've captured from these locations also we have some photographic evidence that's just uh well To all of us, it was astonishing. So we will make sure we can post that someplace where you can actually see that as well. Um, It's especially astonishing when you hear the story that goes along with the particular photo that I'm I'm speaking about. So as far as um, that collateral evidence I was talking about. There were several people over the years that worked with our team that experienced things that, for lack of a better word, um, would generally be termed sensitive or psychic.
1: Or clairvoyant Or clairvoyant. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, we did document those, and we will be talking about those. Uh, we simply, as a team, couldn't go forth and say, this is the truth, unless we had evidence to back it up. Now, in one of these cases, I think you're going to be hearing one of the strongest uh, circumstantial uh, evidence evidence. Cases that we could put forward for someone having a a clairvoyant experience at a location. And it's actually the first case that we're going to talk about here tonight.
1: So the first investigation we're going to discuss, we simply are calling the house on Pleasant Street. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, we would like to explain a little bit of our investigation protocols. Our case manager would be the only person to gather information on the home we would be going to. Uh, The case manager would do the interviews with the residents of the home and any kind of witnesses. Um, She would also uh look up some historical facts
0: not until after, after the
1: investigation after yes. the investigation okay i was not the case manager bill had the case manager set up and and he had his rules in place and they were really really strict um none of us were told anything about why or where we were going um and we all kept little notebooks on us so throughout the investigation anytime we thought we felt something heard something saw something whatever We were to document that privately in our notebooks with our little flashlights and our little pens and not tell anybody else on the team. Our teams would, our team would literally, um, or excuse me, generally split up into two. There would usually be three and three or something like that. Um, but we were not allowed to speak to each other regarding anything going on during the investigation, we would only speak to each other regarding if someone coughed we would you know note that on the on the recordings or if we were going to take a picture we would say hey taking a picture because you know the cameras would make noise um but we we did not chit chat there was no chit chat about the going on the the goings on ons around us um and, and you know and there was a good reason for that and you're about to find out why so we were at this house on Pleasant after we all met and we drove up there to to the home, which was a really quaint little home, actually. It was a bungalow style, I believe, and um, was very well kept, very, very nice little home. And from my recollection, it was an older couple renting the home.
0: Uh, that's correct. Uh, for now, we're just going to call them Mr. and Mrs. K. Uh, if I remember correctly, they were from uh, uh, New York State. Uh, and they had, uh, basically just moved in to the home a, a couple months before. Um, and, and not that we were aware of this at the time, other than our case manager who did the interviews with them. Uh, but the events started occurring for them on the very first night they were in the house. Uh, Mr. K reported that the very first night he was woke up to the sound of a child repeatedly saying, nanny, nanny, where are you nanny? Um, he of course looked through the house and found no one there, went back to bed. Uh, within a couple weeks later, he once again, got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and heard a woman's voice behind him saying, honey, is that you? He turned, um, and his wife was not there. He ran back to the bedroom and she was still asleep in bed.
1: And it was also reported that the lady of the home had seen an apparition, um, in their entryway, I believe, um, I don't think that Mr. K ever saw the apparition, but he had also reported that he had felt flicks on his head. Um, the the Mrs. K um, referred to the apparition as tall man. She said it was taller than her husband and was just standing over him. But before she could even tell him, hey, there's something standing above you or whatever, um, it was gone.
0: Yeah, that's correct. And and that's actually going to be an important part of, of our investigation in this case. Um, the incident that Tabitha was speaking of, actually, Mrs. Gay reported that she saw the, the apparition of the tall man on multiple occasions. Um, but the incident that Tabitha was speaking of uh, was in an uh, area of the house that we simply called the mud room. Uh, we actually um, mapped the entire house and had each area you know, each area numbered or, or lettered so we could identify it. But the uh, the room that this Last sighting before they called us occurred in was a room that was simply referred to as a mud room, and basically, um, it was just a little room as you enter the house so that you can you know pull off your work boots and and get cleaned up. But
1: it was bigger than a porch. Um, it was wasn't it like something like a like a six foot wide by like eight foot long or so. I mean, it was it was actually kind of a big, a bigger mudroom. It wasn't it wasn't something like a four by four porch. It was it was actually larger. And they had some seating in there, if I remember right.
0: Correct. There was there was a table in the room, um, almost like a uh, like a like a patio table, but it was was inside the room. To um, have no idea what they used it for, never got into that conversation. but it was it was a larger room um, for, for that type of area. Uh, but the, the incident, uh, the, the final sighting that caused uh, the, the Ks to contact us and come to the house. Uh, Mr. K was was sitting on the step that led from that room into the rest of the house, pulling on his boots. And uh, when Mrs. K turned to look at him, there was a tall man standing directly behind her husband who was, who was sitting there putting on his boots. Um, And she reported that it didn't particularly frighten her. It was just, there was no way she could, you know, come to terms with how this man was standing there. And as she mentioned it to her husband, he just simply vanished. Um, And then that was, as they say, the straw that broke the camel's back. And at that point, they contacted us and asked us to please come in and investigate the house.
1: Which is exactly what we did.
0: It is. And I should mention that uh, even after we concluded the investigation and and gave them our findings, um, this was not a uh, scary haunting, so to speak. In other words, they were never intimidated or frightened by what they thought was in the house. Um which is you know, they, which is interesting.
1: They were actually quite content with it. They just wanted to know what was going on, really. They just wanted to know who it was. Um I mean, that was really it. They they never felt threatened in any way by the spirits that uh, I think Mrs. K was the one that, oh, we'll just we'll just share our home. And she never felt like, you know, how you have some women be like, oh, something's watching me in the shower or she never had anything, any kind of experience like that, or any feelings like that,
0: other than the uh, the instance of them being flicked. Uh, and specifically, I so said they were felt like they were flicked in the forehead. They also reported that the uh, the beds that were made, they'd come home and the beds were unmade. Um, and actually on at least one occasion, it was the reverse of that. They had left the bed unmade and they came back and the bed was perfectly made. Uh, so you have an incident where maybe you even have a helpful spirit.
1: Mrs. K also reported to our case manager that, um, she would smell flowers.
0: Correct. Roses to be specific. And then that becomes an important feature, um, as we get into this. And, and once again, I want to point out mentioning that, that our case manager was the only person that was aware of those reports while we were doing the investigation. So none of the other team members uh, were aware yourself. of that. Including myself. That's yeah. correct. Uh,
1: the case manager actually kept the interview answers and in sheet with her, um, on her person. Um, and, and that information wasn't given to, it, it would go to Bill would be the next person that would even get that information because he's the one that prepared the reports. Um, And she, she would turn that information over to him after everything had been completed with the investigation itself, such as, um, well, us just being there after, after we would leave the location, I think is when she would hand her folder over to you. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So, um, so when we got there, we started off doing our, our mapping and getting our baseline readings Um, And I'll let Bill go over a little bit of that with you.
0: Well, in many ways, it was a very uneventful investigation. Um, We did have... Um, a couple of things that were were interesting. We were using digital cameras, and of course, at the time, they were not the resolution that they are no, now. No, I
1: think the digital cameras were like four megapixel back then, like, and that was like top line. Yeah, I think we were
0: really really proud, that <laughs> they able were to digital. Be able to state that we had four megapixel cameras, like that was some big big thing. But one of the things that Mister K had reported was that on a couple of different instances, he had seen the reflection of the tall man. Uh, he had seen the reflection of the tall man in the the TV or in, you know, mirrors or other reflective surfaces.
1: Oh, see, um, I don't remember being yeah. told that at all.
0: And then when he returned, the the, the figure would, would be, be gone. Odd. The mm. first incident that uh, that happened during our investigation was one of our investigators took a picture in the living room and coming out of the TV appeared to be a blue arc Uh, of energy and it's something that I still can't explain if it was just a anomaly of the camera or if there was actually something to that or it was just a weird trick of light with light bouncing around and causing reflection.
1: No, I remember that because I was the one taking the pictures. It was with my Sony that I had at the time and it was photos and I would do them in bursts Um, and that photo freaked us all out that the blue streak, because the blue streak did reflect in the TV, but next to the blue streak, and and maybe this might be matrixing, maybe not, but, but directly behind the blue streak, it almost, you can almost make out what appears to be a shape of a person crouching behind the couch, or or hunched over behind the couch like I said that could be matrix scene but the blue light streak thing whatever that is is not matrix scene it cannot be missed and it was not on any of the photos before or after that and like I said I would do them like boom 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 like that so we had the photos to compare it to uh right before and right after and there was nothing in those photos and we you just you can't explain it
0: yeah, that's correct. Um, and I guess I should explain for those of you who don't know, matrixing is the natural tendency of the human mind to try to find a pattern in something that's abstract. And this is what commonly happens when people look at, um, like, say, wood grain and say, hey, that looks like, you know, a face or, or a, highly
1: pixelated. Photographs from locations, highly pixelated <laughs>
0: photographs that are impossible to tell what they are. And, and this
1: photograph we're, we're discussing with this blue streak was not pixelated. It
0: was. It was not. No.
1: It was very uh, in focus.
0: Right. This is what you get in a lot of ghost photos where it's just a it's just a blurry area, and they go, "Oh, I see a I see a face in, in the in the pixelation." Uh, ninety nine times out of hundred, that is just matrixing. That's just the human mind's ability and need to find a pattern in something. So, just so you understand what that is, because it's something that'll come. Up as we talk about, um, several of these cases and something you'll hear in, 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 future episodes as we talk to other investigators, I'm sure as well. Um, but for the most part we, we went through and as far as collecting evidence, uh, in the location, um, we really didn't think we got much. We were on location for several hours, Um, most of the investigators had no real impressions. I do remember that one of the most skeptical members of our team, um, our engineer reported that he felt that his hair was flicked as he was going down the steps. Yeah.
1: We were going Um, down the stairs and, um, we'll call him Jim. Is it okay to use his name? Jim. Okay. Uh, Jim and I was always on the same team together because he's an extreme skeptic and I'm not I'm not so much of a skeptic. I'm, I I wouldn't say that I'm like a hundred percent believer in everything, but I'm, I'm not a skeptic like he is. So it's always fun when we would get paired together and we were going down into the basement and he's in front of me and I'm behind him and he throws his arm up and he doesn't have a whole lot of hair on top of his head. But if he did have some hair and a little bit long and wispy, he if he kept going, he probably could have that whole comb over a th- comb over thing. And we'd all been teasing him. But he threw one of his hands up and like scratched his head. And he he was freaking out thinking there was a spider or something. And and I started laughing. I'm like, there is, there's no, there's, there wasn't even a cobweb in that stairwell. It was a nice stairwell going to a decent basement. There was absolutely nothing there that could have fallen on him. And he, he was almost like a little schoolgirl with a, with seeing a bug or something. It was, it was quite entertaining to see.
0: He's still gonna be glad to hear your description of him as a little schoolgirl. <laughs> um, but this was very, this was very impressive to us because that just didn't happen with Jim. He was that guy that that absolutely skeptical about no, all of it. He never so that showed was,
1: any reaction. Yeah, so really. that was
0: right, exactly. Even when we had some stuff that was probably you know something most people would react to he didn't react so so him having that experience made it more interesting something that we could you know say was definitely paranormal absolutely not but it was interesting and to this
1: day he he still i I believe he still won't say it was a flick but it definitely was not a spider or spider web or bug that i could see and i was standing within a foot behind him so
0: To give you an idea, with over eight hours of audio recording and video recording, um, we caught no audio evidence whatsoever. No
1: EVPs at all.
0: No EVPs at all. um, No uh, no video evidence at all. um, And we left really kind of thinking that uh, we just didn't really catch a whole lot until we were kind of concluding and we were in the the mud room as I was describing where the uh, Mr. and Mrs. K had 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 the experience with the tall man. Mrs. K, I guess I should say, had the experience with the tall man. Mr. K didn't get to turn around to see it. Uh, We're in that same room and we were
1: packing up to leave. And I was doing I was doing a final walkthrough of, of photographs at the end of the night with the lights actually on. Um, and I, uh, Jim was actually sitting there messing with his watch.
0: He was actually checking the time we were concluding the investigation yeah. and I was getting a, a, an end time for the investigation. And, and mm-hmm. in the picture, you can see he's, he's looking at his watch. Um, and when we, as we were taking these pictures, when we looked at one of them, there was what could only be described as a, uh, half a dude, half a dude Yeah, <laughs> walking in motion, which was what made yeah. it very interesting. Um,
1: it, it's. You know, there's always that discussion about ectoplasm right. and, and things like that, and how in photographs that it can show up in like wisps, like um. And when you when you see this photograph, there is no mistaking that it is a head, and it's it's not matrixing. There's and there's no. no way that this is a matrix. You can almost see the head is almost almost solid. I mean, you could almost make out like hair. Yes. Um,
0: I would describe the figure almost in this- down to the
1: torso. And then that's where that wispy, whatever that is. Right. And that's where I would say maybe that's ecto. I mean, I don't know, but you, you it's it's it makes me speechless every time we bring up that photograph because it's just not anything I would ever think that I would get to experience or see in my lifetime.
0: Right, and you have to be looking at the the photograph to completely understand what we're talking about. And like I said, we'll post that so you can see it. But basically, it was a a half body apparition. Um, you in motion, in motion. It, it's actually walking through the frame. Uh, where it is walking through the frame, the frame is blurry. Where it is not uh, in the frame, the frame is clear. Uh, and we, this
1: and this was not a manual. Um, this was not a DSLR camera, so there was no way to uh, focus on the background and have what's in the foreground to be blurry. It, it, it didn't happen with this old Sony camera I had. It was a digital camera, but it was a point-and-shoot digital camera. So it would, it would just try to focus on what wasn't moving. I mean, in layman's terms.
0: Correct. And, and the first thing we wondered, even though it's not – it's not exactly a double exposure with a digital camera there, especially in some of the early digital camera. Uh, there was a, and I, I'm not an expert on this, but there was kind of a, a mechanism where sometimes they would overlap an image. Uh, and we were concerned that maybe that had happened. Um, but that was it just certainly did not seem to be the case. And
1: um, the apparition or any, any glimmer left of the apparition wasn't in the photo immediately after and wasn't in the photo immediately before that picture. There was no orb in, in a before or after picture. There was nothing. Um, and there was nobody on our team that looked like that apparition. No one,
0: no one there that night that looked anything like that. uh, The, the individual in the, in the, the photo, the apparition in the photo appears to be balding, uh, at that point, uh, none of us were were balding. We were not to that point, uh, you know. Uh, well, uh,
1: G- Jimmy was probably getting there. Not but- not not, <laughs> a, not
0: a shiny dome like no, uh, that. All. That apparition had, no. and, and I have now. Uh, but uh, there was no one there, and the apparition was uh, appeared to be closer to the camera than Jim was. Uh, but even at that, it appears to it be. It looked
1: like it was walking directly in front of me because correct, correct. I was in the doorway to this mudroom, and I was. Just just snapping off photos, basically, because I would I would snap off like two, two and two, like from the, um, each area of a room. I would go like uh, the right center and the left, you know, and then I would cross the room and do the same from the opposite direction and basically mapping the room with photographs. And then at the end of the investigations, I would do the same thing. And um, I was standing in the doorway and there's a step that steps down into the mudroom if I remember right. Is that correct? That's correct. And I was standing in the doorway snapping a photo and I think I might've been being kind of silly and thinking I'm going to take a picture of Jim and, and one of our other, um, team members at, at the end of the night. And I think it might've been like the last set of photos I even took that night. And, um, the apparition appears to be walking directly in front of me and like ducking like it had ducked down and i don't think it meant to be seen at all um and and with your eyes without the camera, you never would have known it was there. I mean, nobody saw it like in real life. We saw it only in the photograph.
0: Yeah. And, and I actually, I don't think we even checked the photograph until we were outside and then looked at it and went, holy, you know, what is, what is this?
1: Yeah. And, and you know, the screen on that little Sony camera was like a one inch by one inch. So we're like, (laughs) Holy crap, is that something? Hell, we can't yeah, tell we, the screen's too damn small. No, you know? no, we, we had, had to blow to it up on a computer screen up, later. Yeah. But
0: amazing as it is to capture an uh, apparition on film like that, that was not the most amazing part of this investigation. If you remember, we were talking about earlier about how set we were about the protocols for anyone that was having a uh, an a impression or thought Vision they were having or uh, or visions or clairvoyant mm-hmm. experience or anything like that. You know, we mentioned that. Um, You know, we also uh, mentioned that the uh, the 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 K's, uh, Mr. and Mrs. K, had uh, smelled roses in the home. Well, one of our investigators, Tabitha, um, had been documenting feverish feverishly in her notebook all night about feverishly feverishly (laughs) feverishly I'm not gonna get that word out she'd been busy writing in her in her little journal all night that night and yeah um, I
1: think I practically filled that little tiny little tiny pocket spiral notebook up that night it was very um different right I uh, I don't know how else to explain how that night went
0: and uh, when she shared what she had written with me, it was a very, very detailed.
1: And nobody on the team knew. I only shared it with you, of course, after the investigation, after the investigation yes. because we would all turn our notebooks into Bill at the end of the night. And then he would compare all of our notes uh, to see if any of us had the like the same experiences Uh, But he was he was the one that would handle all of that stuff. So none of us, even after none of us really knew if any of us had shared any experiences.
0: Right. And what happened at that point was a a, a twofold process. I collected the information from everyone, made comparisons to see if anybody had had similar experiences. And I kept that information basically locked away. And our case manager and, and some of the other team members uh, would then start doing uh, detailed research on the location itself, if there was any historical events that had occurred there that you know might be significant, uh, trying to get uh, any information they could about prior owners of the home um, and any information they could gather about those the individuals that had lived on that property in the past. Uh, why don't you tell everyone what you experienced and, and wrote down that evening?
1: Well, what I can remember um, is I remember seeing, you know, those like model train sets. I remember seeing a room for some reason um, filled with like a model train set set up, like, you know, with the whole boards with the like the fake little trees. And I saw this like beautiful model train set. In, in one of the rooms, um, not the room I was even in at the time I was seeing. It. I think I was standing in the kitchen or something and I was seeing this in one of the bedrooms and it, it was just so strange. But I, I wrote it down in the time and everything that I saw that. Um,
0: and there was there was nothing like that president in the house. Oh,
1: no, not at all. Not. No, there was actually I don't think there was like anything hobby related in the house other than they had lots of books. I mean, I remember seeing, you know, they had bookshelves everywhere and and books Um,
0: and no books on trains. I'll point that out. No, no.
1: No. Um, Yeah, I don't really remember much about the people that actually was living there at the time. Um, well, I didn't meet them anyway, so I I don't even know what they look like. But anyway, um, and then like the second thing was boats. Uh, I, I saw a boat and I'm like, I don't know why I've seen a boat, but there was like a boat parked outside and there was no boats at this house.
0: Right. And you do mean um, you do mean boat like a ski boat, not like a uh, not like a ship or anything. Yeah. Like yeah,
1: it. No, no, not a ship. It was it was like a really nice, uh, a really nice large ski boat. Yeah, it, it was a nice boat. And uh, oh, my God. And then like there was roses everywhere around this house like beautiful like a rose garden all different colored roses and other flowers like nearby like there was this beautiful flower garden and just the most beautiful roses and and uh now i i never smelled anything um like what i guess they had reported to the case manager
0: what mrs k had reported yeah
1: Yeah. um but I, I did have the vision of roses and the boat parked outside and there was this train set inside. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was so real. And I believe, I gosh, I really wish I had my notebook. Cause I believe I even wrote down a couple times. A man was asking me where his wife and kids were. I vaguely remember something along those lines, but I, like I said, I don't have my notebook, but I, I vaguely remember telling you after the fact, after we had left and, and, and when because, you know, I was always, of course, ride with Bill home So, um, you know, I, I'd give you my notebook and I would go through my notebook and I would tell him and I would try to explain some of the things that I wrote down. And I said, I really just. It was like this guy this old man and he he was asking me, hey, where's my where's my wife? Where's my where's my kids? And he had grandkids. And and I remember like hearing him talk to me in my head. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I'm just flipping nuts. I, I mean, I really didn't know what to think about all that that night. That was the not I wouldn't say the first time. I had had experiences like that but it was definitely the first time where I felt like they were real like like what I was seeing was real like had I known I wasn't in the place I was in at the time, I thought I could have reached out and actually touched the items I was seeing in my head. It was, I, I that just sounds nuts. I know. But anyway, I you take correctly. it over.
0: <laughs> I remember correctly. That was the first thing you said to me after that was you're going to think I'm nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you, even in our case report, which is not as detailed as your notes were as far as what you experienced, but even in our case report, um, I, I noted that you had felt that you were, being given these images that you saw, the boats, the trains, uh, the roses by a old man older man that was attached to the home. Mm-hmm. What what makes this incredibly interesting, and, and as I said earlier, even more interesting than the apparition photo we got was that upon investigation. Well,
1: wait, 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 wait. Before yes. you tell them, I, I would like to to state that the information Bill is about to give all of you is information that he did not tell me nor anybody else on the investigation team until like three weeks after the investigation.
0: Correct. Once the... uh We didn't have any of the information until after we had completed the investigation, so there was no way that anyone on our team could have known about this. Um, But once the case manager compiled some historical information on the past residents of the home, we then spent a long period of time double and triple checking that information. And the reason we did that even more than we would in a normal case was because it was very clear to me immediately that there was some striking similarities between what Tabitha had documented in her personal journal from the investigation and the actual facts of the life of the previous owner, the most recent resident of the home prior to the Ks moving in.
1: So, Bill, tell him the spooky stuff.
0: Well, it's not so spooky as it is just really, really interesting.
1: No, it's spooky.
0: Tabby mentioned that she had uh, seen images of uh, train sets, a room full of train sets. Well, as it turned out, the prior owner to the home had died in the home one year before. To the date To the day. That we did the
1: investigation. We did the
0: investigation, which is just. A crazy coincidence of itself. Yeah. And it almost makes you wonder if that you was weren't... so weird. You weren't guided there by other, other, other forces. If you believe in that if stuff. If you believe in that stuff. Um, but uh, he uh, actually collected model trains and had a huge model train set in the home when he'd resided there because he was a retired engineer from the railroad. But that wasn't the end of things. That would have been pretty striking in itself. But he was also... The, uh, the head of the Hannibal Boat Club for several years, uh, explaining why she may have seen images of boats. <laughs> yeah. But that's not all. Turns out at his home on Pleasant Street in Hannibal, he had also won several awards from the gardening club for his prize rose bed. That's what I would call a trifecta as far as matching mm-hmm. someone's clairvoyant experiences with actual facts. That was and, all confirmed by his obituary and other newspaper uh, articles we found and on didn't the didn't
1: you say he was actually survived by his wife?
0: You know, I, I, I don't recall that information. Uh, it's very possible. Um, as far as I know, they no longer resided, family members yeah, no longer no, resided in the area.
1: No, they had all moved and, and he was... Um, he was very much attached to the home. I think he that this this past resident that passed away in the home, I think he was very much attached to his home. I think he was very prideful of his home, uh, loved his home and and. You know, he but harmful. He was far from.
0: Absolutely not. And, and matter of fact, everything we could find to dig up on and the gentleman, um, he was a very uh, well liked, very, uh, you know, loved member of the community. And as far as the uh, the case, like I said, they felt nothing threatening before they called us in. And uh, when we gave them the information that we did, they were very much at home with sharing um, their house or his house or however you want to look at it. They, they didn't feel there was any ill will or anything to be afraid of uh, there. And uh, they didn't ever call us back to the residence. As far as I know, they were happy with their stay there until they eventually moved. We had no reports of anything vile or unfortunate mm-hmm. having there. So kind of a happy ending to a ghost story that, that you don't really get. Um and we found this in a lot of cases is not everything you walk into involves a demonic presence or something, you know, evil. Not at on.
1: all. You know, there's a lot of theories out there about what's beyond. Um, but I would like to say that we have found in our investigations unexplained things. And I would say, proof that. There definitely is at least another level of existence. You can't say that there isn't another life beyond this life.
0: I was always left saying that uh, I can't say what we caught as far as evidence. I can't say what it is. I can't say that, um, you know, an EVP is a ghost All I can say is it's something that I don't understand, but what I do know is that there were only two of us in the room and there was somebody else talking. When you have that experience, you have to acknowledge at that point that there is something beyond what we know now.
1: So at some point in the last 10 minutes, we realized we'd actually talked a little bit longer than expected on the uh, investigation at um, Pleasant Street. So we decided this is going to be a two-part podcast. And next week, we will be sharing another investigation with all of you, um, The House on Broadway, where we will be sharing EVPs that will truly make you wonder what's beyond.